Hello everybody, so this is about the 12th time I have been recording this intro. So welcome to Adventures in the Creative Industries, and I managed to get that right all the time, which is good. My name is Eric Cravaglia, your one-man band, again, that's pretty standard now. And then I get lost, because first of all, I want to address the fact that I haven't been posting every two weeks, but I've been posting every three to four weeks, and that is due to the fact that we had a little baby girl, which is amazing. She is so cute, such a distraction, which means my free time has been halved, if not more. So I'm still going strong. I'm not going anywhere, but I'm just going to be a little bit slower. I hope it's okay. So today I am with Bree Reed, who's the CEO and founder of Snack Tights. I worked with Bree on many occasions, one of which is Snack Tights itself. I was the creative director when Snack Tights launched and I saw the brand going from slide deck to fully functional business and it was incredible to see the way they did it and it was a lot more simple and to the bone than I could have ever imagined. So Snack Tights doesn't have an office. Everybody work remotely, they're all given tasks to complete and they only hang out for a meal, to discuss things and it's always very lighthearted and it's amazing to see how that works, you know, the company's doing well. Um, do you need an office? I don't know. Bree's approach, it's all about data. Mike Engel is always the creative one, while hers has always been purely data. Excel is our main tool, and she turned companies around using that skill of looking at data, putting it together, and see where the weaknesses are and how to fix it. With that approach in mind, she also started a company called Forstand Digital, which was... Um, purely Facebook advertising agency. And it's very interesting to hear her take on it. It's very interesting to hear why it folded. And it's very interesting to hear her experience with it. And she's very honest about it. So I really hope you enjoy this podcast because I think there are some interesting tidbits in it that could really help you with your business if you have one or if you're a freelancer it's the same if you're interested in how to start a business the way the breeze starts a business in the last 15 minutes we create one we start from scratch we take an idea and see how we can bring it to market it's quite interesting to, to hear if you don't have much time probably go to the end the last 15 minutes of the podcast and you can hear it in full that said here we go Hello, Brie. Welcome to Adventures in the Creative Industries. Ooh. <laughs> right, this is a... You are probably the person that I've known for the longest time on this podcast because we've known each other since 2010. Is that when you wow. started yeah, the PBL? Yeah, no, it has to be. And you, you and I worked together at the People's Postcode Lottery. We were, yeah. When the People's Postcode Lottery were pretty much a startup. Yeah, they were a startup, 100,000 tickets, right? Yeah, which is a lot of tickets considering yeah. it's £10 a month. But yeah. at the time, there were, what, 20 people maybe mm-hmm. in the company? Yeah, something like that. And it was very a tight knit. And I remember we used to go to the pub, we used to go out every once in a while, and there was a, there was a very good vibe. There was a really on. good vibe and yeah. lots of cool people and we were doing lots of exciting things and there was a lot of money to spend on creative as well. Which that is very true. Doesn't that happen very, very much, does it? It's the biggest no. budgets I've ever had. Really? Since? Mm, yeah. Jesus. I loved 
being in that for me it was such a nurturing place to be i mm. remember i was i was just started again here i could barely speak english at the time mm. and the guys really took me on board mm. did you did you have a boss or no so i was a like a roving consultant so that's it yeah, yeah so you were floating yeah i was just you know doing doing what needed done particularly in marketing so yes so tell me about this right when you started you had already experience in marketing mm -hmm. but the thing your forte was data mm -hmm. i remember you that was your key thing you're yeah. always like guys let's look at the data let's look at this analytically and this is what we can do to improve the marketing yeah. so my question is how did you get so much into data like because you know it's not the fun bit of marketing but also is the best bit of marketing oh it's the fun bit for me exactly but like why what happened um so it was actually in my very very first job so i studied psychology and computer science and my first job was to score people's psychological assessments mm -hmm. for uh, an occupational psychologist company so you know when you go to get a job interview and yeah. you have one of those horrible tests. Yeah, I hate those. Huh? We wrote those tests and we scored them. So that was, was kind of our- guys. It was us. Damn yeah, it. the most hated people in the world. Um, if only people knew <laughs> I know, where right? you were. <laughs> so that, that was my very first job. And while I was there, I realized that, you know, the company was losing a lot of money and mm -hmm. it seemed really weird to me that the company wasn't doing anything about it. So. You know, I did this big project and I looked at how many sales we'd made the previous year and how many sales we were making that year mm -hmm. and in what different parts. And then I investigated the companies that we'd lost and I'd worked out where else they went for that. And I put this big kind of data driven presentation together because for me, it seemed really logical mm -hmm. that we were making some very kind of key mistakes, which right. if we changed, the business would do a lot better. And it just, you know, it interested me that that was the way that it was. And yeah. I gave that presentation to my boss at the time, who was mm -hmm. the sales manager of the UK. He gave it to his boss, who was the sales and marketing director of the UK. Well, now it's a huge spotlight on you for your first job as well, isn't it? Who gave it to his boss, who was the sales right. and marketing director of Global, yeah. who gave it to the Global CEO. And the next day, yeah. they got me to present it to the board, okay. which was mental. So I was That's crazy. 18. Um, and what? I presented it to to the board and it was really incredibly well received and the CEO made a job for me just going around the business and looking at all of the numbers and understanding what was happening That's and amazing. kind of pushing stuff and all of the recommendations I made in the pro in the, the piece of um, project yeah. they implemented everything and um, yeah it was it was pretty it was pretty mental and then from there, they got in some really important management consultants um, to try and change across the business, who all had to report into me. That <laughs> is, and you were eighteen and at I was the time. Eighteen, yeah. Jesus. So, How? Okay, so did you? Were you in that that job right after like high school? Right after uni, much? yeah. So, uni. So you, yeah. Tell me what was your what was your ITER like um, as a student? And what did I do as a student? I was really young, so I went to I went to uni at sixteen. So. It was wow. it was okay. a very like it was a bit of a weird experience for me because I think I was probably too young to go. Yeah. Why were you in so, uni at sixteen? Is that normal in the UK? Or? No. So it's normally it's normally eighteen. Yeah. Um, but I like skipped a grade in school, so 
um, ended up in, in uni a little bit early. So That's very early to be yeah. in uni. And I bet you were the most driven person in the room as well. I really wasn't. Like, well, I probably <laughs> wasn't. Like, I didn't go to any of my lectures. I spent, no all, of, no, I spent all of my time playing Mario Kart and, like, you know, being really antisocial. Okay, so when you say Mario Kart, right, we're talking... On the Wii? No, old school SNES. SNES? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, no, oh, we, we took it old school. Time trials and everything. I, it was really, really good. Um, I cannot believe you spent your uni years. Yeah, but that's literally all I did. Time. Yeah. And I, I was terrible. I barely showed up to any lectures. I barely, you know, did did anything. I left before. It was a four-year degree. I left after three years. So. You're, you're also a dropout. <laughs> but like the funny thing is you were a dropout at like 19, well, 18 when you start working. Yeah. So it was wow. it was mental. How did you get the job then? So the again a really interesting company. So they recruited just based on your scores. So you mm -hmm. did the tests online, and then if you scored well, they would give you a job, of and course, they would try they, you. They make those tests. Yeah, because so they like, make the tests, right? It doesn't, so, anything else doesn't matter as long yeah. as you do the test well. So I did well in the test, and they gave me the job, and then you have a trial in the job and see if you work out in it, and mm -hmm. yeah. So it was a it was a really interesting one, and I appreciate that company now so much because when I look back at it, I see how original it was and yeah. how much you know support they gave me. But also, you know, from their hiring practices to the way they worked, to how open they were as a business to changing. And, you know, very few businesses I've worked for afterwards were anything like that at all. Um, but that at that time. Very but, funny, because at the time you wouldn't know. Yeah, you didn't. And because it was my first job, I was like, oh, this job sucks. I hate it. I want no. a better job. And like, <laughs> and then, <laughs> now I look back at it and I'm like, what was I thinking? That was such a great job. It was job. like an amazing job. And I mean, instead I was like, oh, oh, it's horrible. They were also very, like, the courage of saying this 18-year-old person has gone through all our data hmm. and turn it around she knows follow her i mean that's that's a very courageous move for a company of yeah. any size nobody would really like it's hard to find someone that will trust somebody at that age even yeah. if you come with cold hard data yeah. and i think that's for me it's always been about convincing people with data so you know yeah. I, I used to actually at the postcode lottery i had my um one of my performance reviews they were like brie you know I really hate the way that whenever you want to make a decision, you just come up with, with the data and the evidence about it. And I'm <laughs> like, how can you hate that? Like, and like, surely that's like a good thing, right? It must have been a throwaway comment, like a banter thingy. Like, you know, you're so good, Brie, I hate this. No, but it wasn't. So they were like, next time you come up with an idea, I want you to come up with the idea and convince me without using data. And so that, that they point, can say no to the idea. <laughs> right? And I was at that point, I was like, no, no, no I don't get this. This, this doesn't no. work for me. Because like, it, it is annoying when somebody says, um, oh, this is how it works. And you're like, no, that's this isn't. Oh, yeah. yeah. Here's the data. Yeah. Here are the proofs. Here's the proof that this yeah. does not work because of this. Yeah. And then you just mic drop and leave the room. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. There's no winning with you. But I, I, I like that. <laughs> it makes sense yeah. to me. Yeah, because um, you never come out with an idea that is nonsensical, an idea that is going to hurt the business. Because you, you know it's going to work already and yeah. you've you kind of done the thinking around it. So data's always been really, really important to me. And at school, everybody thought I was terrible at math because I did like math in my own way. Yeah. And you know how schools used to be where they're like, oh, yeah. I cannot see the workings and you did not do it in the way that you were supposed to. Yeah. But like now I, I realize it's the ability to look at a lot of numbers and see patterns in them and that not everybody has that. Where yeah. For me, it feels really easy, but I realize it's not easy for everybody. You're incredibly good 
with an Excel sheet. I mean, I you can build Excel. a company on one spreadsheet, and yeah. so you did. Yeah, I love Excel. And <laughs> like it's so, the skill. It's so exciting, though, because you can model everything out. You can know it's going to work. It helps me structure the way that I'm thinking about something. And, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's really great, but it's interesting because I get pushed a lot now by Tom and Ian that works with us because they use a whole lot of machine learning and artificial intelligence and you know everything is extracting data from its core you know having it understood in a different way yeah. and I'm always like but I could do this in Excel <laughs> and they're like but it's better if you do it like this and I'm I like, don't no, care but look like it in Excel it's fun because you I know Excel because right? I know it yeah and you I took know it off it. your hands yeah no they're just like no you can't do it anymore no more Excel how so, dare you Tom yeah. how dare you for the uh, so in the room this is the first time we have other people so Tom is here in the room so we, we can he can't speak but we can abuse him <laughs> <laughs> and also we have Michaela yeah, which yeah. is Brie and Tom PA yeah 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 it's a step up respect to PA you are more into the business and support them hundred percent amazing the PA you do a little bit less. You see, I'm so ignorant. Lovely. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good. That's good though. Like that's that's what I used to be a PA a long time ago before I came to this country. So there you go. That was fun. Um. So, what happened then? Because like, you were in this company, you were rock and rolling, right? You you turned this company upside down. And what? How much they improved in terms of like? Yes, it went, I mean, it was a publicly listed company, so we were giving mm -hmm. profit warnings left, yeah. right, and center, and everything improved, started making money again, the company did really well. Um, then we did an other piece of work, which was um, kind of innovating new products, um, and again, it was like looking at different ways we could make more money. So one of the things that struck me is we did psychometric tests online, but the problem was at that time, there wasn't a lot of depth of um, internet across the US. So, you know, saying okay. come and do this test online, a lot of people didn't have internet access to do it. So you needed a facility where people could go and do the test. Well, actually, so what I worked out is you could do it over the telephone. So you could phone up, they'd ask you the question, then you press the number on the telephone. So it was like psychometric tests, like by phone, which was apparently this like amazing innovation at the time. So we rolled that out and we rolled it out to Neiman Marcus in the States, loads of big businesses, which meant they re could recruit for mainly kind of retail workers across the, the US in a really easy way, just with a telephone. So we built that system and that brought huge amounts of money back into the company as well, which was really good. That's crazy. Um, Again, like you see, like this is a clear example the way you think. You always think about the simpler solution. Doesn't matter how good the solution is. Let's try the simple one. And if it works, it works. And then we'll move on. Yeah. That's the thing I learned working with you and, and, and for you is like, there's always a simpler way to do it. Yeah, and the simple way is always, I think, is mostly the best. So, Because it's, it's simpler to understand for people. As yeah, well. and it's simpler to implement, quicker to implement, mm. all of that type of stuff. So being yeah. able to, to roll something like that out so quickly where doing it in any other way would have been a lot more expensive and complicated. Yeah. And obviously now we have internet access everywhere, but for that time period, it was, it, was a really, like, it was a really big thing that they could offer that their competitors couldn't. I mean, we are talking about, what, 15 years ago, something yeah. like that, 15, 17 years ago. So internet yeah. was, was indeed a deal. 
uh, a big issue for yeah. the US at the time. Yeah, I mean, people just didn't have it. And this was a really easy solution. Everyone had a phone, you could phone in, you could get your, you know, your scores, people could recruit in that way. And yeah. it was super simple. And then after I did all of that, I decided that I'd had enough of living in London and I wanted to go live in the country. <laughs> so I moved <laughs> to Wales, which was really weird. I like how, <laughs> like usually people come to Scotland or to go up north that you went to Wales. Went to Wales. How yeah. was that? That was weird. That was yeah. <laughs> it was really weird. So I, I worked for um, Sainsbury's for part of the week and then for one of their suppliers for the rest of the week. So my job was well, kind of across okay. across two um, two businesses. So like I did a, a lot of the um, the kind of market insight and research on things like um, the taste of difference range and be good to yourself and things like that. Okay. Um, but it was um, it was super weird to go to London to then be in this like tiny little town outside Swansea, and you know in yeah. a <laughs> on a hill with a house that when we bought it it came with goats. <laughs> <laughs> Probably just, that's the reason why you bought the house. Yeah, I mean the goats were cute. They turned out to be evil, but like really? when, like originally oh, no. they seemed very cute. Um, that's how they get you they look all pretty and then they're like a pretty goat and then it was just mean uh, and the house was like completely like needed totally renovated right. and like it was just it was like the whole thing was a nightmare how long did you last there um two years and then sold the house and moved to scotland and the goats yeah and the goats with the house with obviously. the house obviously yeah. yeah and um moved to scotland from there but it was probably the hardest time ever in my life it was really it was horrible properly horrible is that because the commute and the place was not nice or what what, what made it so horrible at the time so there was i mean the big part of it was also like i took a massive pay cut to go there um so i didn't have a lot of really didn't have a lot of money and underestimated as you do when you're young how much your mortgage costs how much your council tax costs how much everything yeah. costs did you put um, everything on an excel sheet at the time <laughs> no no i really oh, didn't and it was just like it was so poor and i like i remember wandering around swansea town center um you know not having any money for lunch and like so you know and you're just kind of like you just don't have enough money to to be like the basics to be happy you know so yeah. your your kind of everything then gets focused on every spare penny we had we we did on doing the house up so we could sell it um, and make a bit of a profit. Make it no, which was quite good. We made quite a lot of profit because it was good. a good it was a good time to sell. Yeah. But it was you know it was two years of real like. You know, so the question is, would will was that profit enough to justify two shitty years? No. Hundred percent not. Like yeah. I would, it's one of the decisions that I regret. Very few things in my life, but I really regret that as a decision. It was, it was a very, very silly thing to do. Wow, that's just the first time I hear you saying you regret something in your life. Yeah, no, I mean it was, it was just, it was really hard. The profit really wasn't worth it. The whole experience was just, you know, wasn't wasn't fun. Working with Sainsbury's was fun, but again, you have, you learn a lot about. Like we had, um, so worked in ready meals and. We had, um, you know, lots of lots of innovations that we were doing, but you start to learn how to kind of sell in a, in a B2B environment, which mm -hmm. is a lot more complicated because your buyer is a lot more important. So our ready meal buyer at the time, um, she was pregnant and her sense of taste just completely went. So <laughs> everything she wanted was really, really sour. So you'd go and oh, you'd no. make a ready meal for her and you'd be like, and she'd be like, yeah, no, this is great. Let's stock it. And you'd taste it. And it would be like, I don't know, sour. like half of it was lime. You know, oh. it was just like, it was terrible. And you oh, had dear. to work out a way to go. 
you know, like, I think maybe this is not the one to go with. Oh, yeah, because then you, you have know, to be polite. So you, you can't you, just say... Exactly. You can't just go, you're crazy. That's <laughs> <Like, laughs> 30% lightning this. You are going mad. <laughs> you're going completely crazy. Um, so you have to kind of work out how to start to deal with more difficult situations with people and, you know, how you kind of, you know, navigate those and how you kind of, you know, make all of that work, which was, was really good life experience. Which is something interesting to hear because when you work on a B2B environment, it's not something you think of, but yeah. actually it's more important than a B2C environment yeah. because you have a direct connection with the, the other business. Absolutely. And things as well, like, um, you know, understanding the, you know, the factory and how all of that worked. And my mm. boss at the time, um, he took, um, so the big boss took my boss and the buyer on a trip to Asia to mm -hmm. like get new flavors and everything. And while they were gone, they left me in charge of the factory, mm -hmm. which was like, I was like, terrifying. Yeah. are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a very uh, bad idea to me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, and they're like, no, no, it'll be fine. You know, nothing will happen. You know, don't, don't worry. And then I think about three days in the um, quality assurance manager came up to me and she went, um, we've got unacceptably high levels of salmonella in our products, um, but they've already gone out to store. So Whoa. you need to decide what you're gonna do. And, run, run. And, and, and so 270 stores and you get charged, I think two grand or something per store or, or yeah. per area that to, to issue a recall from store. And it had to be, the decision had to be made right then. And I was like, so how many people will get sick if they eat this? And mm -hmm. she was like, 20 out of 100. And I was like, we have to recall it. So yeah. recalled it from all of the stores. I think the bill for the recall was like several hundred thousand pounds. And then had some phone up the big boss and go, um... <laughs> Right. <laughs> this just happened. Hiya. How's Asia? And it was like, it was one of the worst phone calls I've ever had to make. I was so nervous beforehand. And he was great. Like, he was amazing. He was just like, you had no other choice. Like, yeah. it's a choice all of us would have had to make. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't actually a decision. You did exactly what was right. You know, don't worry about it. It's absolutely fine. And I was like, oh my God. It would have been hilarious if the other guy in the background was like, you should have got him sick. <laughs> let him get sick. Sick. That's why we have the NHS. Yeah, it was just oh like, God. oh no. But yeah, but so there were lots of you know interesting, hmm. very intense experiences from that. But overall, it wasn't like it was. It was a horrible time. Wow. It's also you were quite young still. So yeah. You were like what early twenty at the time. Yeah. And like already you've had a lot of experience in the business. Yeah. And and in, in uh, you had to make certain type of decisions and you help the business grow, which is great. I mean, how many people at that age, they have any of that experience? You know, you're probably still at uni getting pissed every Friday night, so, and Saturday night. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. It was really, it was really lucky, I think, to, to get into that early and to have those experiences and, you know, and start to, I guess, build that bank of things that's going to be important, you know, later oh, on. Oh, yeah. But. <coughs> so was, what was after then? So after, when you get to come to Edinburgh. So after that, I came to Edinburgh and I started working for Seafish, which is the it's a division of Defra that looks after the basically the buying and selling of fish in the UK, mm -hmm. um, which was like genuinely fascinating because it was so much data. 
<laughs> you had something like, oh, I was just like, oh my data. God. There was all of the data around like what sells in store. There was all of the data about what fish is imported, what fish is caught, what fish is exported. You must have known like, everything about fish at the time. I really, really did. Like, I still know quite a lot about fish. And really? it was my job to make up the cool stats that they put in their posters. Really? So there's like in fish shops still, sometimes you'll see it. It goes, um, there's more vitamin C in a portion of chips than an apple. And I came up with that. And the first time I saw it in a chip shop, that, I was is like... Is that real? Yes. No, it's completely true. It's only three grams of vitamin C. Because <laughs> <laughs> obviously apples don't have a lot of vitamin C. In. <laughs> so you think like... <laughs> apple has like a loads of benefits, but don't have enough vitamin C. Boom. Exactly. So I was like, let's compare it to an apple. And everyone's like, yeah, I know I'll eat the chips. Marketing but, yeah. 101. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm so truly proud of that. So still when I go into the fish shop, so it's evil. in there, I'm like, yeah. So evil. <laughs> I Damn. come up with that. That was fun. <laughs> That's definitely because then you go inside and say, like, "All right, I'll have some chips." Then yeah, exactly. Chips are fine. Yeah, yeah. that good. Wow. Okay. So, how long did you last? And it, or did you last? How long were you there? For? I think I was there for about three, three, four years, and it was um, one of those ones where again. We got a base salary increase, pretty much of 10% year on year, really? which is amazing, That's right? That's amazing. And it's like, now looking back at that, I was like, oh, I hate it here because no one can make any decisions and it's the government and everything takes forever. And you which, know, want to be somewhere probably, that's yeah. really dynamic and like, yeah. you know, fun and all of that stuff. And then, yeah. you know, you're kind of like, yeah, now I look back at that and I go, actually, I was paid really well to do that. <laughs> it was a 10% year. Yeah, it was mental. Increase, that's a um, lot. And then it was my job to kind of go around and give um, presentations to people about fish, help them with their fish marketing. So, right. you know, you have lots of different clients from like somebody that has a um, like a trawler. So I don't know, there was there used to be a, a kind of a show called Trollerman and like all the trawlers in there, I'd like help them do their marketing and that was cool. And then you'd also be at Unilever. You'd be, at, you know, Young's, yeah. all sorts of different places. So and then again, at that age, you in with crowds you wouldn't have access usually and you got to refine not only the data side of marketing but the communication side of marketing yeah and we also got to do massive research projects which were really cool so mm. we did one on um why people are, are scared to eat fish so really? you have these kind of circles of concern around yourself and you know health and then all of these different parts and we would get to do really amazing properly done research studies on all of them which was just really fun to learn about and mm. great to get to do as well so that was that was an amazing thing to to have access to that's incredible because then you also you went from like ready made meals from Sainsbury's which is like processed food mm. there to like actually fish like real yeah. fish and learning about it and yeah. so what's your favorite fish then to eat I don't really eat that much fish. <laughs> <laughs> I, quite, I quite like prawns. But, but yeah, no, that, was, that was prawns. a big, like I had to eat so many like fish while I was there and people do horrible things to me as well. Like really? um, one time I was at, uh, it was some kind of celebrity chef was doing this thing with oysters and mm -hmm. we went there and I was like, oh, I'm, yeah, I don't think I'll eat any oysters. And he was just like, you have to because like, you know, you're here from sea fish. So I like put the oyster in my mouth and he's like, yeah, just, you know, have it in your mouth and, you know, understand the taste of it. And then he mm -hmm. went, oh, and make sure you bite it before you swallow it. Otherwise you'll feel it moving as it goes down your throat. And I was like, ah! Too late, too late, too late, too late. <laughs> <laughs> Completely like panicked, and it was just like they do all sorts of horrible things like that to me all the time oh with God. like 
weird fish and yeah and it, was, oh, no. it was it was awful it was like also one time i went on one of the big pelagic trawlers uh-huh. and they have this big um funnel where the fish comes through and then there's a big sword next to it and a little mm-hmm. gap and i was like oh what's that for and he was like oh that's when dolphins get stuck so we can cut up their bodies so they just go through the and i was just like tears <laughs> dolphins dolphins not the dolphins dolphins and then they're like oh just come over here and have dinner and i'm just dolphins it was just really oh, it, was, no. it was a lot of traumatizing things that happened but yeah so why did you leave um, I left because besides cutting dolphins, yeah, the dolphins was harsh. Um, <laughs> it wasn't real though, right? It was, it was just a joke. No, I think it was real. Nah. Yeah, no, no, hundred percent think it was real. Like. No. Like I didn't ask afterwards, but I'm pretty sure it was real. Yeah. That is brutal. I know, right? Oh, poor dolphins. I know. Fuck. Um, Are they they good to eat though, dolphins? I don't I don't think they I think they had to take them out because they weren't part of their catch. So it means they're blackfish because you can only land what you've got permit to land. So <gasps> and then everything Imagine else is called waste. yeah no this huge waste. So everything else is called blackfish because you can't land it because you don't have a permit for it. So if you caught it accidentally, oh, you basically have shit. to put it back dead. It's like the whole fisheries thing is a nightmare. I am baffled. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's really like it's That's a, such a big waste. I though. know, it's so many fish go back in the sea dead because people don't have permits to catch it. It's ridiculous. There must be a better way of doing this. You would think, right? Yeah. But it's just the whole thing is an absolute nightmare. It made oh me really God. sad actually. All of the I all of the waste and all of job. the fishy deaths that you get, you know. Knowing that I would I couldn't leave myself. Yeah. That's horrible. Yeah, and that was I kind of the the whole thing just made me a bit sad. I think the decline of the fishing industry, all of that type of stuff, and also it was really difficult to do anything because, you know, the bureaucracy was was really big. So you couldn't do you couldn't make a lot of changes. So I wanted to go somewhere where, you know, I could I could change things and I had more freedom and you know, it that, was that's crazy. Yeah. So. Oh my god. I really, I really hit home that for me. Yeah. Like, Jesus, that's such a shame. Yeah, that's they have to fix this. Yeah. They're not even trying fixing it, they? No, they're really not. But oh. yeah, something needs to be done about it because it's all all life. No. And, you know, I think a lot of changes be made to have people eat more responsible fish, you know, fish that right. there's more of them. And, you know, that's all yeah. worked really well. But I think it's still just about, you know, the fishing fishing permits, blackfish, all of that stuff really like, needs to, to be fixed. It's not like you go fish and you're like, okay, so there will be like this type of fish here, this type of fish there, you fish, fish everything. Yeah, exactly. And so if you, you have a permit to kit, you know, to like catch cod, for example, and you catch haddock in that, you can't land the haddock, which is just like... Oh my God. It's ridiculous. If you don't have a permit for haddock, you oh. have to throw it back and you're like... So you're fishing like twice, three times, four times, five times, yeah. and then put it back in the sea dead. Yeah. Because They're the fish won't live that long before you've sorted them. Yeah. So, you know, and you can't, and they, they do, they do things with trying to have nets that are the right size. So the bigger fish or the smaller fish will fall out, mm. which again, you know, does help, but it doesn't actually stop the, doesn't stop the issue. No. Uh, Jesus. That's heavy. Yeah, well, it's, it is a really weird industry to work in, but yeah, it's quite sad. They should just meet offshore, exchange fishes, and yeah, then back and land it. At least it'd be less less yeah. waste, aren't we? That's yeah. crazy. No, all right, okay, that's a bit 
Yeah, sorry, that was a bit of a downer. No, it's okay. Sorry I don't know if that's all good now. This is right. <laughs> <laughs> so three years there. And then was that Posca Lottery after? No, so after that I went to a company called ICS um, from ICS You Can Fame, um, which was... <laughs> oh, that is your claim to fame. Yeah, worst, worst adverts ever, three years in a row. ICS <laughs> You Can. Um, that is Bree's beautiful copyright work. Yeah. So it, to be fair, it was their catchphrase before I got there. <laughs> you but, just made it famous. Yeah, I just kept making it famous. I like to tell myself. Um <laughs> But yeah, no, that was that was interesting, and that was a very different organisation. They gave me a lot of responsibility really quickly, mm. um, which was was great. Um, and it was it was nice. And again, they were very willing to listen. Like one of the things I did there was I worked out from the data that um, we were actually getting ninety percent of our sales from twenty five percent of our products. And I was like, we should just get rid of the other seventy five percent of products. And everyone was like, no you can't do that and yes, I was like can. yes you can <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, the data fair. says that you can and everyone's like no and it took a little bit of time to convince a them. lot of convincing and removing 90% of the product yeah 70, 75% so, of sorry 75% yeah, of the product, 75% of the product. Yeah, yeah, it was 25% of making 90% yeah. I guess yeah 75% so, of the product so eventually I convinced them and we did it and actually we were so much more profitable because we got rid of all of the extra costs of maintaining those products and yeah it went really well and then we also did this thing where on um gcse and a level day so we sold gcse's and a levels you get lots of people that fail and then they all like you know they ring up to get a, a course that can means they can take them in the next assessment part so it was our biggest days of the year and um everybody what we always did was we did half price on those days so, you know, you'd sell them for half price. And I well, was like, that's like, desperation day. That's like, when they're full price. I was like, exactly, right? That's a sh- <laughs> yeah. Surely, if anything, we should make them more expensive course, on that day, They right? should be half price, low season. Exactly. So for me, it was completely wrong. So I was like, so next year, we're going to sell them full price and we're going to make double the amount of money. And everyone was like, no, <gasps> you can't do that. And I was like... Yeah, we can. <laughs> yes, and we will. Yeah, we can and we will. And we did it and we did. We made double the amount of money. And, you know, everyone was like, oh, wow. You're a magician. <laughs> and you're like, it's just sensible, really, yeah. isn't it? It's like not, not anything particularly complicated. Um, but, yeah, wow. so that was, that was really interesting as well. Um, Again, you come in, you look at what's happening, look at the data, and then it's like, all right, guys, if you do the two small changes here, you're going to make double the amount of money. Yeah. Everybody freaks out. Then they do it and they make double amount of money. It's mad. It's just they're just logical things. And I think when you're in a business, it's hard to it's hard to see that kind of you know the the logical approach to it. Is um, that a problem that you get stuck in your old ways? And when you build, yeah. when you have a business that you're focused on making money, sometimes you lose. Yeah, and you lose that perspective and the business. So we sold the business twice while I was there. So mm. it was very much trying to find its like permanent home as a business and was going through a lot of change mm. there was a lot of um yeah weirdly the we had a ceo there and um i recently found out she died and it was what? really sad like wow okay when you're kind of like you know it just it, it really struck me that she must have been in her, her early 50s and yeah. 
you know that you you take these people for granted because in yeah. a work environment you have these kind of you know these battles or these rages with people and you know it's it's all you know it's politics and complicated and yes. you know and, and when I found that I was like oh my god she was such a nice person I didn't agree with a lot of things that she did in that a business context yeah, but you know oh my god like, it was yeah. just incredibly sad but yeah wow that was a it was an interesting place to to work to be, yeah, yeah. All right, so after then, you know, it's, it must be PPL. Last yes. Time. Yes, we made it to yes. PPL. Was that, do I remember correctly, that after you had looked at the numbers and, 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 and seen what was going on in the business, your main idea was like, guys, every time we do direct marketing, it works really, really well. So we should do more direct marketing. So it was some forms of the direct marketing we were doing. So a lot of what we were spending money on wasn't working at all. So we had some stuff that worked really well and then mm -hmm. some stuff that didn't. But for me, I thought DRTV would work really well. So That's it. I that remember was, that, was yeah. your, that was your yeah. that so was your fight to like guys so do this. And so the all the direct marketing was, you know, parts of it worked really well, but I think, you know, some of them really didn't. Like I remember we had one massive campaign that we did and it returned like a thousand pounds. And we'd spent <gasps> Yes, I remember that. We'd spent so much oh money God. on it. Yeah, because just to clarify, I was in the digital marketing department. And uh, you were floating. So you yeah. worked with us sometimes, you work with the TV marketing sometimes. So you would always, you were all over the place. Yeah. Um, but I remember that was, it was across the board. It was yeah. a big, big It blow. was terrible. Yeah. And, you know, these things just weren't, you know, we were spending so much money and weren't getting the return where I knew if we switched TV on, we would get day in, day out sales, which was my vision for it. So instead yeah. of doing these big campaigns where suddenly you'd get you know a lot of sales and then nothing for three weeks, and then you do another campaign and you get a lot of sales. For me, it, it made a lot more sense that we marketed every single day. So we got sales in every day and it was consistent and predictive and we could understand, you know, this is what we're gonna do next month. This is how we grow it. This is how we, you know, grow the business. What and type I guess of approach was that, it like was that Were you like, well, you weren't carpet bombing though. Were you like a, a gradual growth in terms of like, let's buy X amount of ads this month yeah. and more next month and more next month? Yeah. Or were you like having one week we buy more, one week we buy less? How did you structure it? Yeah, so it was a very evenly through the month and then increasing, you know, in the next month. So, right, you know, okay. well, we knew it worked in that first month, then take more, spend more in that second month and then kind of spend more in the third month and then be able to go look, this is our route from where we are in terms mm -hmm. of tickets to where you want to be. This is how much it's actually going to cost you. Mm -hmm. And if you spend your budget in these sensible ways on these sensible things, then, you know, we can achieve your objectives. But the way that, you know, we're, we're doing at the moment where we're just spending loads of money on a campaign and we don't understand if it's going to work or not, isn't going to get us to the objectives that you, you know, that you want. Again very simple idea because all you had to do is look at the data and see yeah. what was working yeah and i remember like they makes also it's like it's, it's your philosophy for a business it's like whatever you make reinvest it sensibly yeah. move move the needle forward like have more advertising yeah have more this have more that and then you'll get more customers more clients coming in and i think so many people they kind of they they wait for this viral moment or this moment where everything's going to go yes. massive and it, it doesn't happen like it does happen sometimes and if it happens to you that's absolutely amazing Mazatov, yes you're but winning you, you winning. can't plan for that to happen right? right you have to plan to make it work without that and yeah. and that's always been the big thing for me and at ppl it was like oh one day we're gonna crack this and the yeah. whole of the uk is gonna play and you're like 
you can't rely on that you know you have to have a kind of day-by-day strategy where you know you're bringing stuff in you're making it work you know and and a route to doing it and if actually we do something that's super cool and it goes viral then that's amazing but you know at least we're not actually planning on that happening i mean i remember like it was really hard to change things in the company and not because they didn't want to like we were all like wanted to do better because we like the company what they're doing because like how, what's the percentage? Is it 30% of what they make goes to charity? Yeah. I mean, they helped an incredible amount of people. No, they really, with really PDL. did. Like, yeah. it's so, they're, and they're lovely. Everybody in that company mm. was lovely. So it's like, we all wanted to do well, but it was really, really hard because PPL was stemming from a much bigger company yeah. in Holland, right? And they had, they were set in their ways and it was yeah. really hard to like talk about this yeah. stuff. Yeah, and the way things, you know, worked in Holland you know aren't the same you know the marketing stuff that works in Holland yeah. is not the same as it, different it does people different cultures yeah, yeah. and I, I mean i remember talking to someone and they were like you know but everybody loves their postcode and i was like i don't think anyone in britain loves their postcode <laughs> i don't think many love the postcode like, at all <laughs> it's, it's a useful thing that you use to get mail but i don't yeah. think anyone feels like a sense of community around it where in holland when they launch postcodes everyone was super excited about it because it kind of gave them, yeah. you know, like a community and stuff like that. And you're like, we're not, we're not like that here. Do you know, I remember <laughs> when, I, when I've been told the story of how it works with Holland with the postcodes, I was like, wow, in Italy, we don't even have, we have a postcode that is like basically a whole city is one postcode. Uh, it's like, so it was like completely bananas. But then it makes sense because it's a community uh, thing. They exactly, made it a community yeah. thing. At some point in their history, communication wasn't that postcodes equal community and then people that have a strong sense of community and there you go it makes sense yeah. here, and also people no. people here are suspicious like I mean, <laughs> the other thing is that we used to do all of those weird free gifts as well and it'd be like have this free gift if you sign up and i remember it was like it was a camera one time and i was like nobody's gonna believe that they get a camera if they signed up to the postcode lottery and they're like yes everybody loves free gifts and I actually, no. my, my mom's Dutch and I phoned her up that night and I was like, oh, you won't believe what happens. They want to give a free camera away to get people to sign up. To post-code. And she got excited. And she, she was like, oh my God, a free camera if I sign up? <laughs> and I was like, oh God, it really does work with Dutch people. It really, really does. What's wrong with you people? You're too nice. <laughs> it's just like, oh no. <laughs> uh, oh my God. I remember my, my main project was to make an How It Works video. Your How It Works video was the best thing ever you know i used to watch it before i was doing anything or writing anything because like it was so complicated to actually understand how any of it worked Uh, and you'd watch the video and you'd be like right i understand it and then i'd understand it for a whole day and then the next day i'd come in and i'd be like no i forgot (laughs) i need to watch eric's video again i I think what 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 my problem was it was so complicated to understand it and whenever i would tell people they'll just look me in the face like what the hell are you talking about so i I made it a thing you know it's like when you see it and you're like, it's obvious that yeah. this needs fixing. But it took me a year to get them to buy into the thing because well, they didn't have it in Holland. So it's like, they yeah. didn't know. But that. also remember you even trying to work out what it what it was and you'd be like, yeah. so do you get this prize weekly? When does it get drawn? Yes. Like who gets this prize? And everybody would be like, I don't know. I, yes, that's <laughs> the thing. Like I would, cause like my, my goal is like, I need to make, take all this information in yeah. and make sure we can process this information. Yeah. That people can understand it and they can move forward. And there were two main issues. One, the information keep changing because mm-hmm. gambling commission is tough. You yeah. need to adhere to certain regulations and like the company kept changing and trying new things. And there was, there was that mm-hmm. thing. So that changed, the rules changed all the time. It took me a year to make one yeah. video because the rules keep changing. But also nobody was entirely sure. And not because 
they didn't know how the business worked, but just because the business was so complicated, the yeah. business model was so intricate that people just couldn't, couldn't find their bearings yeah. in it. And things were changing month on month. And people would add more prizes in, or, yes. take, or because Holland had a new prize, we yeah. would have to have a new prize. And then they would be so weird. It would yeah. be like, and you know, the people who are in the top postcode level get a car, but then if you're in the actual postcode level, you get a thousand pounds in cash. And you yes. get, I mean, it was just so And then hard. it was like prices, they're like monthly, weekly yeah. prices, and then it's daily like prizes. daily prices. Uh, it was like, oh my God. And it was hard, but <clears throat> I mean, it was it was a real it was interesting for me because I was young. Well, I was like I was older than, than when you started, but like because I moved here when I was twenty four, and it, like, I had to do the presentation with the board. Mm. No, the board with like mm. we had the bosses in, and I had yeah. to do my presentation. We, I had three different type of animations mm. at the time. I had to show them mm. and explain to them why it was going to mm. be um, successful, why it was important mm. that we do this. Mm. And I remember like making it was hard because things were changing every time, but then eventually came out and it was like mm. a, huge, a, huge, a huge success for the company. I remember mm. the, the conversion rate was ridiculous. It yeah. was like 20% increase in conversion yeah. rate. It was insane. I was like, yeah, and I kept wanting to put it on TV as well because <laughs> it was just like, this is going to make Not people understand it. Yeah, I remember <laughs> I started working on ideas for like a, a TV ad version yeah. of it, uh, yeah. but never, never flew. And then yeah. eventually I got frustrated with it a little bit yeah. and I left. But... Again, great place to be at the time. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure it still is, but like there was lots of learning you could do because it was a, it was a startup. Yeah. And like after that, that's when you started like putting together all you learned over the years. And that's when yeah, you started winning, meaning like really winning. Yeah, no, it was interesting. So after that, I went to, to Diet Chef. Yes. And I remember getting... The call that I got the diet chef job, and I was on a, a tour of our one of our PPL call centers in Glasgow, yes. and it was this awesome call center where they had a like um, they had a tanning booth and a hairdressing salon they and washing stuff. A really cool yeah. call center. Thankfully, it has to be like that. It's yeah. hard to be customer servicing. And my, my phone was ringing, and I like went into this room that turned out to be the washing room. So it was just like loads of washing <laughs> machines washing and dryers room. and everything. And I, <laughs> I picked up the phone, and it was um, Kevin, who was the the kind of founder of, of Diet Chef, going, um, Bree, just want to let you know by you know, unanimous decision of the board, you've got the job. And I was just like, oh my God, screaming in the like, the in thing. the laundry room. And then having to like walk out and then the tour's still going on and be like, yeah, no. I am dying. <laughs> it's just like, yes. Um, that was a move up for you. Were you CEO of uh, Die Chef straight away? No, so I was, um, I was the CMO to start CMO. with. Okay. Yeah. And then I, I did a, a year there and then got promoted to CEO. But yeah, it was, um, yeah, it was like an amazing, amazing moment because it was such a, for me, it was nice because it was a food product again, which I yeah. felt understood more. They did lots of television, which again was a strength of mine. You know, lots of data, yeah. selling online, all of the type of things that I, I really loved. So I was totally like excited about it. And yeah. it was just really, really exciting to get to go in. And then you go in and you're like, oh my God. Why? <laughs> oh, oh God, no. what a nightmare. <laughs> but that's why they hire you. Yeah, how you because they want you to fix it, right? Yeah, no, fix that's, it, Brie, that's please. true. And that was that was an interesting one as well because immediately I came in and mm -hmm. you know everybody's really nice for about a week and then they're like, oh my god, yeah, our conversion on the website is crashing and we don't know why. 
And I'm like, oh, right, so this is why you wanted me to come in? Okay. Right, let me, let me, let me get Excel out. Let me <laughs> no, fix that's, it. that's yeah. exactly it. So I was like, okay, well, you're like, what's uh, happening right. here? And then I was just like, oh, guys, like, obviously it's, it's crashing because, you know, 70% of your web traffic is now on mobile and you yeah. don't have a mobile site. And they were uh, like, oh, that yeah. explains it. And you're like, yeah, yeah, no, that wasn't, maybe we should get a mobile site, you know? Mm. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe a way for, buy, yeah. for people to buy this stuff on their phones. On, on their phones, you know? And then it was again that nobody buys anything on their phones, you know? Nobody would spend £275 on their phone. And I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure they would. Yeah, and easy. then I had to present to the 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 kind of the rest of the board and did this thing with about how many Ferraris were bought on phones on yeah. eBay every every week and they were just like okay yeah people will spend this much money on their phone I can't believe you had to go as far <laughs> as that yeah that's crazy <sighs> so again you come in look at the business and see what what the problem is and that all you just all you do you just look at data and then say okay if you do this yeah. This is going to go well. Yeah, and a big That's part it. of it was, was growth as well. So mm -hmm. it was like trying to, how do you scale marketing? How do you scale it quickly? You know, yeah. how do you scale it at that level? How can you sustain that growth? You yeah. know, and that was a big part of the the kind of Diet Chef story was, yeah. you know, being able to push that growth and, and make that work, um, which is totally exciting because I, I love the whole you know, yeah. I love having targets. I love achieving targets. Yeah. I love pushing everybody to the very edge of what they can do. You know, it's the yeah. funnest part. After then, you left. Mm -hmm. And that was uh, startup time. So you started Force 10 Digital. Yeah. Which, uh, spoiler alert, it is no more anymore. No. And Force 10 Digital came out at the right time and the right place. Because explain what Force10 Force Digital did. So Force10 just did Facebook. So yes. Facebook advertising and nothing else at the time when Facebook advertising worked incredibly, incredibly well. Um, which Facebook advertising is a lot tougher to do now. A lot tougher. Yeah. Um, but at that time, it was very, very super simple. Um, and yeah, it was we, we went from zero to 50 clients in couple of months it was crazy um and yeah it was it was interesting to see the inside of lots of different businesses put together that growth strategy for all of them and facebook at the time was absolutely incredible the amount of data the amount of you know it was a free for all to target was everything it was, yeah it was absolutely incredible and i've never seen a marketing channel that was as effective or as good for customers as as facebook ever i could before. totally see you like we're talking about, I think Facebook started to data seriously about 10, 2010, 2012. Yeah. That's when it started like moving towards it. They realized that's where the money was. Yeah. And you must have had the, your first approach to it and think, this is it. This is all the data you will yep. ever want yeah. to launch a business. Absolutely everything. And, and in terms of targeting for your marketing, everything that you could possibly want to target somebody on, it had absolutely all of it. It was easy to use. It was easy to access in terms of the data. It was easy to build creative. You didn't need you know, a third party to upload anything for you. You could do it all yourself. You could control the budgets. You know, they'd really thought about all of that detail. And it was just, it was like a gift to marketing. It was awesome. <laughs> it was a gift to it my, really an was, evil though. one, but yeah. Like, yeah, it, it really, really was. And then, 
you know, as as Do you know what? Like sorry to interrupt happen. you. Like what happened I think like the big distinction was like before Facebook, we were working with like big companies that had like segmentations. Yeah, most of it was based on Mosaic, which is effectively, yes. you know, is, is derived from your postcode. So it's saying people that live in a certain area all behave in a certain way and are all yeah. alike. And, you know, if you know your neighbors, you know, you're not really like your yeah. neighbors. It's that is exactly silly, what my point way was. Of doing it. Yeah, I remember like looking at all the documentation and the way we used yeah. it for the stuff. And it was like, this is not... I don't know, man. It feels like this is just a stab in the dark. Yeah, and that's exactly what it was. And then Facebook does this stuff, which is based on you as an individual. They know, you know? everything. They know what sites you yeah. you go to. They know what you read, yeah. what, you know what, what you like, what you don't like, yeah, what, what phone you have, got, what computer what you have. Got, exactly. How long you spend between your home location and your work yeah. location. Who and your friends. Yeah. Like, what yeah. you're buying. They know everything. And it was like, when I saw that, I was like, that's 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 yeah. useful that's not yeah. stabbing the dark then you yeah. know everything about yeah. people there no and, and it's absolutely incredible and you know that information was unlike anything that marketing had ever known before and you know as marketers we strive to put the most relevant message in front of the most you know relevant person at the most relevant time that's and suddenly yeah. facebook let you do all of that you know yeah. just didn't in, in one platform and it was you know it was properly a miracle and then <laughs> you know over time it went to shit effectively. Well, yeah, they pushed it too hard. Like yeah. they, they just got greedy. They just yeah. got greedy with data and like money. Like yeah. too much. And then, it, you know, as they've stripped out all the targeting in the platform, you know, because of GDPR and all the yeah. different issues they've had and the platform itself has become more shaky and, you know, the results are getting worse and worse, I think, for, for most brands now. So um, what are we looking at in terms of conversion? Where we went from where we are now? Well, I mean, it's... So I think you can still, you know, you can still make, so to, to give you an example, uh, at Force 10, we had clients that had, you know, a 50 turn, a fifty times return on investment. Yeah. So for every pound, getting 50 back in sales. And that wasn't one client, that was lots of clients. This is before know? the scandal, the before Cambridge the scandal, Analytical yeah. scandal. And, yeah, and now you'd be lucky to get five times what you put out. You'd be you'd be running a really, really good campaign. I mean, most campaigns are two times, three times, but it's a really good campaign. It's less effective. Yeah, but hugely, hugely less effective, um, which is, you know, a massive shame for marketeers, but, you know, I think puts, you know, the data back in control for a lot of people, which is also yeah. a good thing. So, you know, it's, it's just one of those things that's happened, really. <laughs> it, like, you know, it's not the first time the marketeers ruined something, you know, yeah. it's just the way it is. Like, it was sad to see the struggle because like, you know, full disclosure, I did work for Stan for a little mm. bit, trying to help out mm. and see how we can, we can um, have a more creative, mm. uh, focused approach and stuff. But like the, just the business was set up the way it was set up mm. and Facebook was the core, yeah. the core business. It was yeah. the core product and USB was all about Facebook. Yeah. And it's like, there was no way out of the hole in that respect because yeah. I was there literally when Cambridge Analytical, yeah. Analytical struck and it was interesting yeah. to see how clients reacted to that because yeah. overnight yeah we lost so many clients overnight yeah. and you know and, and you're right Facebook was what we did and without Facebook we didn't do anything else no. you know so it was hard like it's hard to come in and change and change like, you know help you change a business from scratch yeah. it was like, I realized that like even the pricing would have been an issue because people knew you in a certain way and yeah. you can't just go out and change everything. Yeah. You needed to become a content agency. Yeah. And then like my question was like, is that even worth to yeah. people that much? Yeah. 
And I think that's really true. And I think a content agency is, is what would have worked. But you're right. How do you convince people of the power of that? You know, and the fact that it's worth investing in content that really means things yeah. to people. And it's difficult to get people to spend money with, you know, no plan of direct return, which, you know, yeah. I understand because I don't like spending money without a plan of direct return. Absolutely. Like, but also you were going to enter, you were going from a place where you're like one of a hundred yeah. into a place where you're one of a thousand. Yeah. So all of a sudden you have all these other players yeah. and like you had to hire more people. It, it, like yeah. it was a complete restructure and... It's just not, it was not going to work. I mean, I remember, yeah. like, we never really, because I worked there for a few months, and we had this conversation. We, we, we were hopeful that we could do stuff. I yeah. was really hopeful that we could yeah. do stuff, but I realized the pivot was going to be massive. Yeah, and I think that's it. And I think when people are so set, and as well, I think when something has worked so well, it's hard. It's really to hard to it. let it go. You know, it's really, really difficult for people. Yeah. And I think it becomes a, a really, you know, it's, it's a really hard thing. And, and, to be honest, for me, it was a big, it sounds terrible, it was a big relief for it to be over. You and do you know what, like, in all honesty, yes, yeah. I could see that. You, yeah. were, you I don't want to be mean, but you were down with the place. Yeah. And, and I, you loved everybody. You have an incredible, yeah. like, understanding and you, you, were, you, were, you were nice to everybody, but you were over. Yeah, I really was. And I don't, I don't really like running agencies. I don't, I don't like being a... Uh, you know, in that kind of B2B environment, I don't yeah. think it, it works particularly well for me because I feel very responsible for everything that happens. Yeah. And if a client is upset, I can't be, you know, you've got some people that are like, oh, yeah. that's just the way clients are. And for me, I'm like, no, they hate me. I did something wrong. It's <laughs> Do you know awful. what? Like, <laughs> like, in I all honesty, like you that. are incredibly good at selling. And I'm not trying yeah. to blow smoke up your ass. I mean, you're actually good at selling. And like you were putting yourself, because you were putting yourself out there fully, 100%. Mm. And clients believed in you. And when something didn't go well for them, you were, and there, frontline, you yeah. know? And I can understand why you took it personally, or mm. not personally, but like you, you were very empathetic towards that because you convinced them on giving yeah. you money and joining you in the first place. Yeah. And there you go. Yeah, and I, I don't have a, another way of being. I think for me, it's not, I can't separate those, you know, those two yeah. things out. It is... You know, if I tell you something, it will happen, and it doesn't happen, it breaks my heart because yeah. like, I will work to make that happen. And you also with every part <laughs> will come can. into a room and say, "Hey, oh, we're making fifty plus return here," yeah. and people will just say, "Okay, yeah. take our money, take our money." No, which is exactly yeah. exactly what happened, and you know, it was great for like you know months and months and months. We were able to give that to people, and then you know, yeah. Cambridge Analytica happens, and you're going, "Yeah, no, look, I know we've done this before, but like, yeah. it's not going to happen for you this way anymore." Yeah. You know? That was hard. I yeah. remember, like, like, it was uh, it was hard. It was really hard, and I can see on you hard on you guys because it's hard to let it go when you build yeah. a business. And it was obvious that it was like, yeah, well, we're done then. Yeah. And like you, many Facebook agencies are packed, yeah, or moved into like you know pivot to something else. Yeah, and I think for me as well, it was important to call time on it early as well, rather than try and you know when yeah. you, you think about your future and you're kind of like i don't i don't love doing this this isn't something yeah. that i want to do for the rest of my life why why keep it why keep it going any yeah. longer you know so you I must think it was you must the, have felt a better once, once i did done. yeah it was really it was really hard telling all the clients um you know because yeah. they you know they're all they're also helpless right so you built a business which is dependent on facebook and suddenly facebook doesn't work anymore and they're going well what do i do now yeah and you're like i don't know <laughs> do you know what like that is <laughs> you know? th that diversification issue 
Yeah. Where, like you, you put your eggs in one basket, but because yeah. that basket was big, yeah, it was a large, large basket mm. until somebody just took the basket away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was you no know? eggs anymore. And you're like, I can't, I can't, I can't help you because yeah. there is nothing that replaces it. You know, if you could go, you know, there's this yeah. great new channel, put all your money in there, and it'll be awesome. You'd feel a lot better, but there, there isn't. You know. Imagine all the media companies that build their their business solely on facebook and overnight yeah. they went bust because there was no more traffic yeah. coming through yeah i mean like that is when you're you're just riding a fad yeah and that's all the reason when the fad is over yeah and that's been like that ever forever yeah. like how many companies you know you just do that in the 70s the 80s the 90s yeah. it's just the way it is but i mean it's you know also look at like the dot-com boom and oh, you know yeah. all of that type of crypto, stuff and crypto yeah it's same. exactly the same you know currencies there'll be like hundreds of, pro of uh, products that will go down yeah although some are good some are like just pure smoke yeah and so many vapid. people and so many people get on the bandwagon with it right well, of course, which yeah. is you know the big part of that too but yeah, yeah so. oh well there's the formal there's a lot of it but like some would survive but most of them won't yeah and that's okay that's yeah. just the way you, that's the market we create and that's life and you oh. know I, again the um the lady that i used to work for at ics the one that died recently she always used to tell me she'd walk in and she'd be like are all your marketing campaigns working and i'd be like yes yes of they course are. they are <laughs> It's me. They're all working. Yeah. Prove me was, wrong. And she was like, if they're all working, then you're not trying enough things. And I'd be like, oh. Mind blown. <laughs> She's right. She's right. <laughs> I'm not trying enough things. Yeah. And it was like, and I think that's it with everything in life, right? And So what was the learning? Like, we, I don't think we can call Forced End a failure. Mm. Because it was very, very successful for three years i think it was like two years, two yeah. years run yes yeah. so it was very successful that time and i remember seeing you randomly on a train down to london mm. once and you were just you brian say oh we started doing this thing mm. and then i've seen you like three months later oh we got this office now and then yeah. i come and see you again and you're like eight people working yeah. for the company it's like oh no it's like yeah. three yeah six people working for the company plus yeah. you guys and so i don't i don't think it's a failure but what did you learn from it um not to start agencies um that is a rule everybody should abide not, do not start a studio or an agency please thank you there's plenty yeah, yeah, just like pretty much that i think also you know doing stuff that you love you know there is no time in life for doing things that you don't love and for working a job even if it is you know you as the boss and you wake up every morning you're not yeah. happy there's no space for that in life yeah so, I agree with that. You know, it has to be has to be about your happiness, and I'm you can't compromise on that. that. So yeah, like you just like there's yeah. no compromises. It's yeah. like, I think you just have to be that way. So I think right. those were the things that I mainly learned from that. Okay, that's good. That's good. This very is like is, is a very self aware movement. You know, you just learn these things and you're like fuck it, let's move on. Yeah, I mean, I think you you have to treat life like that, right? Otherwise, yeah, you, you can't move on if you think about it too much. So, the next step, right? The next step is what is on at the moment. Mm -hmm. Together with other things, because you, one thing I learned from you is like, you're never doing one thing at a time. No, no, you're terrible at that. You can't do one thing at a time. So you and I have, have had this conversation at the time that you were doing, you know, I was starting helping out with Force Stand, but then there was a lot more cooking. Mm -hmm. And then I had the pleasure to meet uh, the, chaos, the chaos monkey there, mm -hmm. Tom. Um, which uh, it was amazing. I had a great run, I gotta say. <laughs> uh, and I said, I'm, I'm talking and with a past tense and we'll get to that, but um, it was incredible to see it happen mm -hmm. because you came to me and you said, look, here's what we're doing. 
and it was not one company it was a conglomerate of companies it's mm. like many different ideas let's try out and have fun with it mm. and that is my philosophy with this it's just mm. let's try and do stuff and see what works and what not let's have fun what, what do you need you need branding we'll do branding it doesn't matter mm. you need creative i'll make you creative mm. you need ideas i'll give you ideas so it's fine and that got me really really excited mm -hmm. the main reason why i decided to join you guys in this journey was that it was yeah. the excitement to just let's do cool different yeah. things and I remember I was lucky enough that I was, I would say I was phase, I entered Snag, it was phase two, because you had your money, you had your first round yeah. of it, well, you you, you put together some money, yeah. and you had, I love the fact that you came to me with a, with a slide deck, which mm -hmm. was your, your like investor mm -hmm. deck, it's like, can you make, can you, what can you do with this, and I was like, all right. I went off and came back and, and with logo and so your branding for snag is incredible right oh, you, you, you realize how much you know how many compliments we get it on it all the time and how that. much everybody so loves it that. and yeah. you know it's so absolutely perfect the brand but it's also because you know there's you guys behind it because i what the thing we aligned straight away was like you came to me and you said look here's the slide deck we want something that looks inclusive hmm. What you, well, show me what you got and then yeah. I went off a couple of weeks came back and communication it was always the key mm -hmm. thing and we were always on the same line of that I've always said like for me it's all about being nice being mm -hmm. inclusive I was you were more about on the fun size I was more on the like comfy size mm -hmm. and and I think I'm glad you went on the fun size because it's working so well mm -hmm. and I love that you know uh, your clients are, are your customers your customers are loving it. I mm. love that. And I've seen some of the comments on, on Instagram. And it fills my heart because mm -hmm. I know that the project comes from a good place, which is, please tell, tell, tell the snag story. Oh, rad snag story. So basically it is that tights don't fit women. So, you know, 90% of women can't find tights that fit. And 70% of those women say that if they had tights that fit, their life would be fundamentally better. Um, and do you know what I love about this? So you went off, and to know this, you did <laughs> a Google Yeah, a 2,000 people <laughs> Google survey. Because you Google have to survey. have the data, right? You have to know it's going to work. <laughs> yeah, but like, how many people start a startup and say, okay, you know what, fuck <laughs> it, I'm going to do a Google survey and see what women really want yeah. in terms of tights. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, that, that was a big part for us. And, you know, it's a real problem, a genuine real problem. And we see that every single day with you know with snag and and how much it's grown and how much people love it and how much our customers love it and yeah. it's just a it's a fantastic to to get to do that but you know what you did with the brand was all about how we communicate with that and yeah. for us it's a it's a co-owned brand between us and the customers and everything we do we take our customers we ask them we talk to them about it that's the know, thing i we, like we, we, we do it like this thing is like i've always been like let's be transparent as yeah. transparent as you can fuck it yeah. like you can't say everything but you can say most of the stuff you can ask your people yeah. and i'm so happy you're doing that because like clients always like kind of shriek at that it's like yeah. and it's great i mean when we when we fuck up when we do something wrong we we, we just publicly apologize. own up to it and we go look this is what happened this is the mistake we made look we're really sorry this is what we're going to do to rectify it and then also like you know we're we're going through the process of raising a little bit of money at the moment and we said to our our customers we were like you know what would you tell an investor about snag you know what mm. do you want them to know and they did this amazing instagram post with like hundreds and hundreds of comments and when we went around meeting people to raise money we we just gave them the instagram post and we're like read that you know that's what our customers want you to to know about our brand that is probably the best way to raise money because yeah. it's like don't take my word yeah 
take theirs. Yeah, these are all the people that bought our, our 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 tights. And this is how much they love it. And you know, it's been a, it's a really it's a really public brand. We've we've mm-hmm. tried to share all of that with you know with our customers and yeah. and talk about the way that we do things differently as well. Like you know, no email, you know, no offices, you know, all of that type of stuff. Yeah. And it's making a you know it's, it makes a big big difference. I think. Yeah, it's also because you're not very keen on the nine to five. No. Let's face it, you hate the 9 to 5. I hate, hate it. And like on that, <laughs> we've been on the same page from day one. I hate yeah. the 9 to 5. It yeah. doesn't work for me. And it's like, and again, it's not like you built a company. And how many people are you in Snag now? So we are seven people full time and 17 people, including part time staff. So that's about 24. No, no. So, so all including. Oh, including. Seven. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. So 17 all 17 in. total. Okay. Yeah. That's a lot of people. But instead of opening an office, get everybody in mm. nine to five, you do mm. customer service, you do this, you do that. You just mm. give tasks to people. Yeah. And off they go. Yeah. I'm like, that's it, man. You don't need to be in the same place. Like there's you know when the nine to five start I mean this is how I always talk about stuff. When the nine to five started, there were no computers. Yeah. No computers. Yeah. We had to be in a room and move a thing from one place to another or or like hammer something mm. or screw something like yeah. this is when it started like how we computers will still do nine to five i know right it's it makes it makes no sense no and sense. Also, and people waste most of that time i mean like sorry all the people I ever worked for but when i had a nine to five job like <laughs> i spent a lot of that time fucking about like, <laughs> but that's just exactly it because <laughs> that's what everybody does right who has eight hours full-on attention on a job no, that most people does. don't like no so it's like you you're like at least give me the task i'll do you the task what the problem what's the problem with that like when i worked at agencies everywhere i worked like i'm doing an animation mm. i'm working on branding i'm working mm. on design whatever is what i'm doing mm. i don't need to be here today yeah i can come here and meet you whenever you like yeah we can go for coffee we can have a lunch we can have dinner but do not ask me to come in an yeah. office night to fly. And so when we we do meetups at snag they they tend to be we do weird things like we've done um Axe throwing. We axe did. throwing. Axe throwing was fun. Um, we did an escape room. We all went for a spa day. <laughs> so we get everyone together and we do something fun. And, yeah. you know, we break bread, we eat, we like, you know, we That's enjoy each other's thing, company. Yeah. And, you know, we don't, we don't expect anyone ever to do any work on that. It's never about getting people together to work. But it's also never, silly. ever is when I worked with you guys. It never was, oh, we need to do a fun activity to do team building yeah the fun activity was because you haven't seen each other let's go for lunch and yeah, have a chat if you can't come fun. it's fine yeah. it's okay just yeah. we'll see you next time yeah like, you know i love that that was so good that just reminded me of um at ppl when they had one of the characteristics that you had to have was fun do you remember mandatory fun i do remember <laughs> mandatory <laughs> mandatory fun, fun. <laughs> it's like you cannot make me have mandatory fun yeah it's, it's like, not how it works um what you intend for fun not fun for me <laughs> yeah. sorry guys sorry I, i'm not gonna have fun but the fun is mandatory <laughs> no no you can't make fun mandatory that's not how it works yeah. can we play can we play old mario kart together <laughs> can we do that because then that's fun for that's me. fun mario kart is always yeah. fun yeah. yeah it's not fun for you that's fine do yeah. something else go do on a trampoline i don't care like it's, yeah. let's have fun together but not let's not make people have fun because yeah. then have mandatory fun yes okay so let's get to the meaty stuff right mm-hmm when okay before that full disclosure brie and i and tom had a little bit of a fallout mm-hmm. right can we call it that yeah i blame tom i think it's tom's yeah, fault it's always tom's fault. um but what happened is that i wasn't just working on snag mm-hmm. i was also doing um working with the other companies you have one of those companies those are that 
and is i know they're still going but you're not running it um, yeah. in first person is jennifer running it now mm-hmm. hello jennifer how are you doing and she's lovely and glad she, i'm glad she's working with you again because <laughs> she's she's great anyway so we i'll tell you my version of it right so we were i was working on oh a my project. god this is like this is like red table talk now yeah you love with, it. i with love, jo- I love it with john pink it's like exactly like that, that i'm loving pleasure. it yeah i need to watch the last the last one with yeah. uh with will smith you know oh my talk god that stuff. one's a good, really good uh, yeah, the you tears really need to watch that yeah. oh i can't wait okay yeah. no, okay that's sorry so <laughs> what happened is i i remember we were working on a, on a client right two clients were working together and client number one i'm not gonna name names especially because one of those two clients, I really like them. They're mm-hmm. lovely. And I don't, I, there's no need. And, and it's not really their fault. So we, we were, I was working on this web design project. And sadly, I was, what happened is I would talk to this person two hours on the phone, right? Mm-hmm. We'll agree to something. I would go off, do it, and then they'll change your mind. Mm-hmm. And the answer to that was always like, ah, it just doesn't work. You mm-hmm. need to change it. And I was like, okay, let's do this. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm very practical. Yeah. But you do that two times, then you're wasting my time. Yeah. And there is nothing more that are they angers me when people waste my time. Yeah. No, because we're working agree. together, let's work together. Mm-hmm. And I am also like, I am very precious about what I do. It's definitely one of my downfalls and mm-hmm. I work really hard to not be precious. But it's really hard when you are like, you're one of the most genuinely artistic creatives that I've ever met. It's like... Thank you, Bri you do stuff properly from the heart right and it's like that that comes with that you know i do i put myself into it every time i do i I know i do not i cannot half-ass stuff if i half-ass i just suffer so much what happened then is like clearly my relationship with the client got really no i don't want to say tense but clearly wasn't doing well Mm. and like it came through via emails as well i was always trying to be polite and i was working with the other guys of your team which i know it's still on your team and we were always like, okay, let's do this. Come on, man, don't worry mm. about it. Let's send you the assets. Let's move on. Let's move on. And then the clients have changed their mind. And then I, I, I just felt that like I had no backing from you guys. Mm-hmm. So I felt cornered from the client yeah. and I felt cornered from you guys. So that made me feel uncomfortable, especially because like of the relationships that we had, yeah. I felt like left out in the woods yeah. to deal with this. And I should really apologize to you for that because I think you got caught up in lots of people not really wanting to do that project yes and it being very like something that should have been very simple that ended up not being very simple yes. and everyone just wanted it to be over yeah and i think that was you know you got a lot of the flack for that because nobody else wanted to engage in it and i yeah. think that's a you know that's, i think that's, that's for both projects cool. right yeah. that's for both projects and the second project i think there was there was like there's that that yeah. element which is very similar to the first yeah. project and also there was the element that I thought, I think you thought I had like a, a like a, a sidetracked you guys somehow that I was talking, because I was talking to them about other aspects that I was supposed to be doing. So that's, that wasn't it at all. So the, the problem that we had with them is that they refused to, so this is, this is the thing I'm precious about mm-hmm. is when you go to, when I go to a client and I go, this is how you're going to make money. Yeah. And they go, I don't like what you've said. I want to do it this way. And I'm like, yeah. but the data says that this will not work. Yeah. And they're like, but this is what we want to do. So we want to follow this route. 
Yeah. And that makes me so angry because then all of us are going to invest our time yeah. in something that's not going to work. And that for me is like super, super frustrating. They were scared of it. Like that's what it was. They came from a place of pure totally. fear. Yeah, totally. And yeah. I totally get that. And I think the thing is, is we were, again, I think this is a communication thing as well yeah. because I was trying to push them into doing something that worked for them. And then yeah. they would push you to do to get out of it does that make sense yes what what happened there is like you know i, I remember from my side again like i was put on this project as a consultant a creative consultant yeah. basically and i was helping out with the design of the website and i remember like it being a bit rushed yeah and, and because we had i was having branding conversations with them and you were having web design conversation mm. with them and clearly we were having two different type of conversations yeah. once once it came to my attention that there was like this big divide that was too late. Yeah. yeah. And like it all snowballed so quickly because of the WhatsApp conversation, mm -hmm. which I still disagree with mm -hmm. having that with the client and, and that just snowballed. And the hardest thing was your text yeah. because one, I disagree with parts of it and I realized I was purely because we have not spoken to each other for a week yeah and both of these projects put a big strain on us yeah as a business as we were operating at the time yeah put a big strain on us and we would not talk about it yeah b tom is horrendous at talking to people he has no empathy whatsoever <laughs> so <if he's> most <laughs> people think he's the nice one how <laughs> So uh, Tom is horrendous. He has no empathy with people. So like when you, if you're in his good books, it's good. If you're not in his good books, you are fucked. Right. Would you, would you say that that's not a right statement, Tom? <laughs> He's laughing. So yes, it's a right statement. So what happened is I found myself in this situation where I haven't talked to them for a week and I get these two messages, which are really hurtful. One, because it, half of the message hit home because those are my issues and I'm working so damn hard to fix yeah. it. And then part of it was unfair. And part of it was unfair because yeah. like I was thrown literally down the bus yeah. by the first client and the second client was just complicated yeah. communication issue. Yeah. And that really upset me. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really sorry, like <sighs> I properly am. And it, I also, I know I made things worse because I was like, I can't deal with any of this now. Yeah, you, you're very bad at that as well. Everything <laughs> like, in my life is so stressful right now. Yeah, like, fuck I, this. I cannot, I cannot have one more stressful thing and yeah. it was like it was a stressful thing to go and that I'm really message sorry. was harsh and Brie. i'm sorry it shouldn't i shouldn't have done that i and have I nothing have but to you love as well. for you Brie. you know, crushed I, me that but day. you know i feel the same about you right i remember being completely baffled yeah i had to speak to chloe and say can you please tell me what the fuck have i done because i have yeah. no idea yeah and she went through like the messages she went through the communication thing she's like i, I don't know yeah no and and, and the same thing like when you when you messaged me back and you were like, I think that's unfair, and I went through everything as well, and I was like, Yeah, no, it is unfair. And but I was such like, is life. <laughs> well, you know, I think that's the thing when you have a million parts moving at once, yeah. and it's like, I guess that's totally. a lesson as well, is that like people should come first in that. But when you're trying to do tens of million things yeah. at once and you have so much pressure on you, then you know it's it's difficult to deal emotionally with someone because it opens all the emotion out where you're totally, trying to hold totally. all the emotion together yeah. right and i think that for me is what was happening so yeah. it was all you know i was trying to hold everything together as best i could mm. and if i was going to open that up a little bit yeah i would have opened it all up yeah i mean like i am 100 percent 
sure that one phone call would have solved this. Yeah. And I tried to call you for I two weeks. I know you weeks, did. No, 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 100% know you did. Absolutely blank to me. So I yeah. was like, you know what? Fuck you, Brie. I liked you. Yeah. It took me a while to get over I, it. I deserve that. That's but fine. like, actually, actually, I, I don't hold the garage. I was lucky enough that I had loads plant on my plate so I just get my head down and work, yeah. which is the best way for me to solve any yeah. problem. Usually I just get my head down to the next thing. So you have, you have a full apology from me. Like Tom, does he have an apology from you? Tommy, I want to hear you. I want to hear you <laughs> saying it. Can I talk? Yeah. Oh, God. That kid, I was like getting it out with a couple of uh, pliers, eh? Like, <laughs> no, I'm no. Sorry, too. I haven't done anything. No, I'm sorry, too. Michaela, you're just like the loveliest. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm sorry you have to work with this, too. <laughs> so so no, we have so much less stress now we've got Michaela. <laughs> <laughs> I, bet, I bet you are. I bet you are. So, because like one thing is that you cannot stay on top of your schedule because your schedule is bananas. Yeah. I don't know how you did it with our PA before. Well, yeah. sorry. So, I, so I, I turn up to meetings now because of Michaela. It's I know. mental. When you said you have to send a message to Michaela, I was like, we're actually going to do this because <laughs> I realized I don't need to rely on you remembering because you have all the things to do. And of course, the thing is, it's not that you were bad. It was just like something more important comes up. And it's business, like, yeah. you know, and that's all there is to it. Yeah. But if you've got somebody else to deal with it, she can just move whatever is important. Exactly. Because this podcast is bloody important. People need to know about Very this stuff. Very important. So, okay, that, that's out of the way. Snag. Mm-hmm. What I love about Snag is that we, we all fight with this because, like, I was always like, you should have, like, you know, a page that is your shop and, you know, you have to go on the home page and you click, you go to the shop and... Tom was like, nah, you don't need it. And you're like, nah, you don't need it. We're selling. It's working. And it's always about keeping it simple. And that's how I got it wrong. I got it wrong because I always thought that certain things were mandatory mm. to make it work. Nothing is mandatory. If you have a good idea mm. for a business and you have a good product, nothing is mandatory. That's what I learned from our experience yeah. together. No, it's really interesting because I think that's Tom's approach to the website has always been we'll add something else when we need it. You know, yes. when people ask for it, when it's actually necessary. Yeah. And really, you know, before then, when I've launched a website, you go, I need to have an about us. I need to have an FAQ. I need to have a shop section. I need to have this. I need to have that. I need to. And actually, do you need any of it? And doing it in this way means you develop what people want, what they're asking yeah. for, what they're going to use. And yeah. you have a website that's, you know, usable and easy to navigate and actually has the stuff on it that people want to in- engage with, right? Yeah. Which is a completely new way of thinking about it, for me anyway. So tell me about the nitty gritty of snack. Because like if, okay, so I want to start a business today. Okay. Right. I have an empty Excel sheet in front of me, <laughs> right? <laughs> the stock in terms that you understand. <laughs> so... You know that I can get the creative sorted myself. Or like, let's say I, I'm not a creative person. I don't work in the creative industries. Mm. I'll hire a designer. I'll hire a brand specialist or whatever. Mm. And so I can sort that thing out. How do I get this thing going? Wow. So I think it's, you know, it starts with having the right product. Okay. So I think... What do you think is a good product? Today? So I think people do it the wrong way around a lot of the time. So I hear now a lot of people going, I want to be an entrepreneur. I need an idea. And I'm like... Mm. So I think you <laughs> should have an idea and then want to make that a business, yeah. right? And mm. so I, I have a big problem with the whole, I was born to be an entrepreneur, I just haven't found the right idea yet. Do you know what? I hear the stories all the time. Okay, sorry, sorry, guy. Uh, if, I, if you told me a story and you feel burnt, I'm sorry. I'm just saying, <laughs> like, there's a lot of people comes, oh, you know, when I was six years old, I used to sell cards. 
I am boring. I know, right? You hear that all the time. And you're just like, no, like the, the idea, have a really, really good idea, you know? Yeah. And it starts, it starts with that. And if you've got something that you think is going to work, test it, talk to people about it, you know, throw stuff against it, really work out whether or not it's going to, you know, it's going to survive fire or not and yeah. understand what it really is. And sometimes you have, you know, a fad idea and actually you know that you'll be able to sell it for six months and then people will be tired of it. Would you that's, go for it anyway? That's fine, right? It's but then school, you know, But then you know for six months that's what you're doing and afterwards yeah. you need to find a new product or you need to do something else, right? You, yeah. you don't think you can have that fad product forever because right. you can't. You need to be honest with yourself about the type of product that you sell. Self-awareness. Yeah, and I think for me it's important to have, you know, a product that you care about, a product that you love, a product that makes a difference. Mm -hmm. So it, it starts in, I think, choosing the right thing to sell. I think people who go, you know, what's hot right now? I know... Um, I've got a friend who always wants to do a business based on what's hot right now. And he's like, oh, I know what we could do. Cannabis infused coffee. And you're like, because coffee's hot. sounds good, though. And is, and, <laughs> I would and, buy that. And you're just like, and you're like, you know, but but everybody's had that idea, right? Yeah. And it's like, and it's really hot right now. But is anybody going to be drinking cannabis infused coffee in four years time? Probably not. Probably not. You know? So but you can become the best at making coffee and then you can have cannabis infused yeah. coffee. Or you can be the best brand yeah, that does infused coffees in exactly, general. Have, have, a new, have a new idea around it, you know, yeah. do something different. And... I think it's very much about, you know, the, the starts with the quality of the idea and having mm. a really good idea and then testing it. And then when you know that it's going to work, you can go out and raise money right. for I'm it. I'm going to interrupt you there. So we have cannabis infused coffee business. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Now let's say that this is um, a coffee infusion business. It's like Starbucks, yeah. but all the coffees taste weird because yeah. they're infused with shit. Yeah. That makes no weird sense. Stuff, right. Okay. Yeah. So. Our Excel shit is still empty. Yeah. How do you uh, how do you test first that you think the idea is good? So first, you have to look at a demographically representative sample of of the UK if you're going to yeah. start in the UK and work out how many of those people would buy your product, and then mm -hmm. you know take that down to an absolute fraction of that. Work out how much your product costs. How do you work that out? Um, so you just you you have to really the best way to do it is do a survey and ask people if they would buy your product right how do you um, like do you do like paid survey then yeah easy you just go yeah. put some ads online and say hey we're doing a paid survey yeah so you can do it like that you can use google surveys you can use like there's a whole load of different things that you can do use Kantar does one as well omnibus surveys you know? so there are services out there that yeah. helps you with this so you can yeah. put something out there and people answer questions yeah and it'll cost you a couple of hundred pounds but you'll actually so have the answer you know completely how do you know that it? the answer is like honest answers i think in majority they are like okay. why you you know there's not much purpose in taking a survey if you're not going to actually answer what you think and right. you try and make it interesting and your questions interesting as well yeah um, but then, you know, once you have an idea of how many will buy it, how much it will cost to make, how much you're going to sell it for, then you've got the numbers to start to go, right, how big could this business be? You know, what type right. of business is it going to be? How many people do I need to recruit? Where are those people? What is that type of person? Is that worth looking at um, competitors and see what they're doing? So I don't. So as a, as a whole, I don't believe in watching competitors. Right. So... I think if you want to be first in the market and you want to be far ahead, you need to be thinking of new ideas, not okay. copying what other people are doing. No, but sorry, in terms of numbers. Okay, let's say that like there is another 
there is there are coffee places that do infusion too. Yeah. And you can see, let's say, you can see how many sales they're doing. Is that worth seeing that, or you say no, media's better? It doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it has very how somebody else's business is performing has very little to do with how yours will. So interesting. Okay. You know, I I would look at the base the base facts and and do that as a starting point. I think it is useful to understand how big the market size is. Mm-hmm. Like for tights, for example, the yeah. the hosiery market is worth thirty eight billion dollars. So big which was the only thing i really cared about yeah but then you're talking about look at the overarching market yeah so the hosiery market that contains yeah. like supermarkets contain everybody that sells yeah hosiery right yeah so look at the overarching market and then narrow it down so do that yeah because if your overarching market is small you know and then you, you have a very small funnel very, to exactly begin with. so okay. you need to you need to think about how big the scope can it can ever be in the business and it's fine to have a business that has a small scope but again it's about if you're going to do a business with a small scope, you want to maximize your profitability. Right. So that's all about getting as much profit out of it as you possibly can. So you do different things for, for different, you know, different yeah. scopes of businesses, I guess. Interesting. Okay. So after you got that, so you got those numbers, you know that mm. like, you know, the coffee business is worth I don't know, fucking a lot, a lot of money, yeah. 50 billion, right? Yeah. And the coffee infusion business, so you're starting from a big pot of people. Mm. So your funnel is quite big at the top, yeah. right? Um, and then from there, you can do like two or three different type of infusions. So you do cannabis one, mm. so you get a certain type of people. You do the, the new like, bullet coffee that's mm. very popular now, yeah. and you do all the type of coffees. But then yeah. you got something, right? Yeah. So you got an idea, you got the numbers are good, what do you do next? Then you need to see if people buy it, right? So right. you need to start your marketing out in a very broad way, see who responds to it, because it's not going to always be the type of people you think. Define. So you need to test actually who's going to buy your product and will okay. it be enough people and will it be at the right cost per acquisition? And once you've tested it and you get good results back from that, then you know you've got you know a viable How do you test it? Business. Again, Google survey or...? So I think you should you should advertise. So you know, do it via you know Facebook, do it via Google Networks, do mm-hmm. it via YouTube, do yeah. it via a channel. Actually, advertise and see how many people would come through and buy. You know, that's the that's the important thing. So putting out like a, a sort of like custom made office as office a website that looks yeah. like you're selling, yeah. and then people can come and read coming soon. But at least you get those click through rates. Yeah, exactly. So you can start to understand how much that would be. So would you play with a lot of different creatives to check like what's working or would you go for like one or two different routes? And It depends. It depends on the business. You know, right. I always think you're, you're better checking three different, very different creatives and seeing what one works best. But if you've got a business that has an idea that's strongly linked with that creative like snag, mm-hmm. then you don't need to do that because you know instinctively what's going to work. Right. Um, but in the coffee business you probably wouldn't have a good idea of what would work right away. So, so it'd be go good to like, check a couple of different things. You'll have an ad for the CBD infusion coffee and yeah. an ad for the bullet coffee yeah. and see how many clicks you get here. And, and see there. what type of person responds to yeah. them and, you know, where those people are and, you know, what, how old they are and, you know, try to get an idea of what that audience looks like. So is that beneficial to have like a Google Pixel? Yes, I think it's, it's always good to, you know, Facebook, Sorry, Pixel, Google, Facebook Google, Pixel, yeah, Facebook Pixel, Pixel, Pixel yeah, Google, you know, um, what's it? Snippet. Yeah, whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah to, to just to check as much as you can who the people are coming to it, you know, who's responding to what, what type yeah. of person they are. And then you can start to build the brand a little bit around them. You know, if you know your cannabis infusion coffee is only, you know, 
it's only men that are over 50 that yeah. are are interested in it then that brand's going to look very different from you know a brand that it's all girls under 30 that like it you know so yes oh this is so good um so after where would you advertise because we know now that facebook is a tough tough cookie what where would you go now so like if you were to start from so scratch. still facebook because it's still better than a lot of other stuff that's out there so right. i'd say right now you would do something between facebook google shopping youtube and i think now even looking at things like um actually inserts and direct mail and things like that because Ooh. people are getting a lot less of those these days then they do emails. so uh, yeah and we just emails i think i know you guys no emails emails, but that's there's also to be said that you hate emails because your customers are somewhere else so why would you use email if your customers are not there so interesting so you would go back to physical to direct mail so i think i think right now they're some of the channels that are working so you need to work with the channels that are so you need to go back to mosaic to, to find out so, where to send these emails yes these emails. i think mosaic to, to an extent but i think there's clever things that you can do as well so if you're an infused coffee business mm-hmm. and you know that it's you know it's men over 50 that like your product yeah why not approach a clothing company that specializes in men over 50 and going would you put this little leaflet in your dispatches when you're sending out your clothing orders right, because we okay. think your customers would like them yeah. or I you hate know. those now. Yeah. But uh, maybe if men over 50 won't hate those. Exactly, right? Although I would drink a CBD infused coffee. Yeah. If you're out there, Breeze friend, yeah. I'll, I'll get on top of that fact. You have one right customer. In. And customer number one, baby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's so going to have a bloody expensive coffee as well. CBD oil is expensive. I know, right? Jesus. It really is expensive. But really good as well. Like, Have it, you tried it? I, no, I'd take CBD oil. Because I you? think it's, yeah. No. Okay, I'm going to get on. But I'm going to go to Hall and Barrett's and buy one. I need to go to Don anyway. <laughs> I think it's there's some online ones which are a lot better I think all right okay I'm gonna ask you some links so at this stage we have our excel sheet is full of data Mm -hmm. because we know the market we know how much to sell it for we know who to sell it we have an idea of the messaging we have an idea of the demographic in full because you tried advertising Mm. in the Google services and then what was next they need to get some money to start it. Do you need it? Do you need money at all costs, or no? So I think it depends on it depends on the product. If you can afford to do it yourself, then do it yourself. If mm-hmm. you've got a product that's virtual or you don't need to fund, then yeah. you know don't take money if you don't have to. So if you're doing like e-learning, saying yeah. that you can do at home, all you need is a camera. Yeah, yeah then exactly. Then you know you you don't you just need your money for your first marketing. Then and if you invest that in yourself, then that's perfect. Then you're sound. Yeah. Okay. And if you're a business right now out there that you're not doing very well for this or that reason, what would you do? What's the first thing you would do to improve it? It depends why you're not doing very well, you know. So look at your data. Yeah. So you'd, ha- you'd have to understand, I think, why you're struggling in the market. And, you know, there's only um, Tom did this amazing bit of work where he worked out there's only eight different things you can actually change on a website or in a business to, you know, work- To optimize. To to work out, you know, to actually change the business. So you sit there and you go, oh my God, there's infinite things I could do. And there's not, there's only eight things that you can do. Do you have a link to this? Did you just write a blog post about this, Tom? He's not written it yet, no. Can you write a blog post about this, please? So I think when you're you're looking through them and if you've got some structure around those eight things, you can start to investigate all of them. Um, One of the the businesses that that we're investing in at the moment is called Datasaw. or because it's um, joint 
run by a Canadian lady. She calls it Datasaw, which I think is cuter. Um, Datasaw, like S-A-W? Like a, no, no, like a dinosaur. Like, and that's, you know, so that's using some of that thought process around it as well, which makes it easier to, if you've got a business that isn't working, to plug your data in and it can go, oh, it's not working because of this or, you know, this is an issue right now. So it kind of helps you think analytically. Then. Yeah. So it's using things like AI and machine learning to, to help identify some yeah. of those areas where you could be improving it or some stuff that you might not realize is going wrong that is going wrong. So what do you think of the rise of LinkedIn at the moment? Actually, I should say the Facebookization mm. of LinkedIn. Yes. Yeah. That's, that makes more sense because it's been rising for a while. I mean, 600 million users, yeah. a lot of users. But so it is weird now that you need to wish people happy birthday on LinkedIn. How, like. how, I, no, I, it's amazing because like, you know, I was one of, like, I always, I didn't dismiss LinkedIn because I, I, I found a lot of uh, value from LinkedIn. Yeah. But it was amazing to see a change into Facebook mm. in the last year and a half. Yeah. And this thing's going viral, which is <laughs> the same thing that used to go, sorry, I said viral. There's things that got to get traction that is the same type of things that used to get traction yeah, on Facebook. Because they're funny and not because they're even that related to business. And so I'm, I'm, like, yeah. you know what I love? I love people like trying to make those things related to business. So yeah. they write like, oh, because, you know, if you're a business that do this, this and that, this is the situation you'll be in. Yeah. Like if people will read that. But they're just watching the thing falling, mate. Well, I saw that. You know, there's that picture. It's like a really famous one of like some wolves. And it's supposed to be that the first three wolves are like... Um, the, the sick wolves and then like the, the, the wolves the, at the back are the ones that are like protecting the pack yeah. and it's like it's not true like, it's absolutely <laughs> not true and somebody put it on LinkedIn and was like oh this is how you should like you know you should lead a business exactly like these yeah. wolves and someone underneath just went Snopes <laughs> it's like it's, it's not true and then loads of people are like yeah I know you've been fooled mate and you're just oh. like this is now Facebook it's right? the new square yeah but like yeah. then let's talk about this because if LinkedIn get their shit in place for B2B the thing, gold mine. the thing that's really interesting interesting with LinkedIn is it has lots of um, organic reach in a way that you that know Facebook used to have Facebook used to have and hasn't had for years and years and years but since 2012 when yeah. they remove organic reach altogether but you you write you know you write an interesting um, post on LinkedIn people yeah. do actually read it which is amazing which I, I really that's like. that's news right well yeah. for the question is for how long is it going to last yeah I, I don't know that's a it's an interesting thing it's going to burn out quickly isn't it yeah um, I mean I think you've got a good couple of good years of it yeah so more and more people use LinkedIn and uh, if they sort their advertising out because it's advertising is that yeah, good yeah, yeah. it's terrible um, if they sort out I think we've got there's going to be a point where everybody like I've got to get on LinkedIn yeah and what about Instagram advertising is that working for you yeah guys? it's working really well Um, it's it's considered the same as Facebook advertising so it's all on the same algorithm right. but yeah we use a, a lot of um, natural reach in Instagram which is great yeah. so we do we do enjoy that you don't enjoy that. You don't do Instagram stories though. You you most like. We do quite a lot of stories. Do yeah. you? Yeah. I totally missed that. What type of stories do you do? Um, so mainly we share our kind of customer stories. We'll okay. do insights into if we're doing a photo shoot. Um, right. We ask people for stuff. So recently we just heard that Rebel Wilson wants to wear our tights in a photo shoot. Bless her. She wants to wear tights that we've no sold way. out of. Um, so we've had to go and ask our customers if they have any unworn pairs of these tights and we'll buy them back off them to give to her. So we did that through Instagram stories. You can do so, that only with the community you built on Snag. Yeah. That, you built an amazing platform, your clients. So your, your, clients, your customers yeah. are lovely. Yeah, so they really, really are. They're absolutely incredible, which is why we do what we do yeah. with Snag anyway. 
for them. Right. We're literally going to get kicked out. So um, I guess people can find you, well, cannot really find you online anywhere. So you can you can find uh, Brie and Tom's work at snackguides.com, Instagram, snacktights. Yeah. Do you do Twitter with Snack? Yep. Snack oh. tights on Twitter. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So snack tights on Twitter and yeah. everywhere else is snack tights. Just yep. Google snack tights. You'll yep. find them. Snag, S N A E G. Tights, like tights. Yeah. Um, thank you very much for listening, guys. Really appreciate it. Bye.